Hi there, welcome to Series 2 of the Release the Sound podcast, where we talk all things prophetic worship. I'm Roma Waterman, and it is my passion to empower, to educate, encourage, and equip you to release a sound of heaven that transforms the communities that you are a part of. So stay tuned, listen to some amazing guests, and be blessed. Thanks for joining me. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Release the Sound podcast. So great to have you. We're very excited today. I don't know why I'm saying where because it's just me, but maybe Jared's excited too. (laughs) I'm so excited to have the guest that we are going to interview today. He's a good friend, an inspiration. I just love his ministry. I love what the Lord does through him. Today, we are going to interview Jared Cooper all the way from the UK, or if you're from the UK, that's just a hop across the pond, really, isn't it? But uh, let me do a, a little introduction. Jared Cooper is an author, songwriter, broadcaster, and communicator, and he leads Revive Global, the church and missional movement based in the north of the UK, and he also runs The Tribe, which is an online worship and learning community. He travels the world speaking and singing in churches, conferences, on TV and radio. He's also been involved in producing over 20 worship albums, which is hard to believe because you look 21, including 11 solo albums and the song that he's probably most known for writing, King of Kings, Majesty, a song I absolutely love, is featured consistently as one of the top 10 worship songs sung in the United Kingdom. And also through Tribe TV, Jared's online programs are impacting many around the world. He's authored many books. He's been on lots of TV and radio programs uh, that have been broadcast internationally. Jared's married to Victoria. They have a wonderful son, Zachary. Vicky's also an author and a musician. And Jared and Victoria are passionate about helping believers to live powerful lives, cultivate healthy, growing, presence-filled churches, and bring the influence of God's kingdom to their world. Everybody give a big clap in your car, in your house, wherever you are, to Jared Cooper. Jared, it's so great to have you today. What an honor. And um, we're just so excited that you're with us. Hey, it's good to be with you. You make me sound tired reading out all that stuff. That's about that's, that's about 32 years worth of content and I'm feeling quite old now. <laughs> no, not old, wise, wise yes. and experienced. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I I mean it's no no um secret that the Watermans love the Coopers. We just yeah, we love-, love you guys. Everything that you do, and we love, I mean, I love that song, King of Kings, Majesty. I'd heard that before I even knew who you were, and um, I love the story. I'd love to start there because I remember you over dinner one night telling us about how the Lord downloaded that song to you, and I just think that would be a great place to start for other songwriters that are listening today. Can you share a little about that song and how it came to be? Yeah, of course. Um Okay, so it's 1996, and I'd been in ministry five or six years working with uh, another well-known minister. I was his worship leader, and I'd just gone on itinerant, now based out of the church that I now lead. And I was flying over to South Africa in 1996, and it was a night flight. It's the best way to do it to South Africa. You can kind of sleep the flight away. And I woke in the middle of the night, and I couldn't see the plane. I had a vision of the glory of God. Wow. And I lay there terrified 
uh, for several minutes, then fell asleep again. And it was a really strange little phenomena that started to happen night after night. And then um, during the services, because I was in South Africa for about six weeks to, to do ministry and itinerate around, just the glory of God just began to fall on these services, drug addicts overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, wow. people lying down in the presence of God, getting up healed. Um, and it, it, it was just amazing. There were meetings when I was struck dumb. I could do nothing. Wow. Um, and the glory of God just fell without any human intervention. And God began to show me visions of the United Kingdom and Europe experiencing a move of glory in that mm -hmm. kind of six-week trip. And it was absolutely one of those landmark seasons. I've had, I've had a few. This would be probably the most foundational one to what I live for and what I do every day. So, of course, being a musician and a singer and a songwriter, it started to come out in songs, in there's songs mm. like Days of Wonder that uh, literally some revivals as you have, have used of the, as their theme song for the revival around the world and things like that, um, Lost in Your Glory. And I wrote this little corporate worship song, King of King's Majesty. And it honestly took about 10 minutes to write, 15 minutes and wow. like that. And it was, you know, so for any that, that don't know it, the chorus goes, uh, Your Majesty, I can but bow. I lay my all before you now. In royal robes, I don't deserve. I live to serve your majesty. And, you know, it sounds twee when you read it off like that. But the stories uh, um, uh, from around the world of literally God impacting people. I remember mm -hmm. being on the radio in South Africa once, and this national radio station used to play King of King's Majesty uh, for their drive time morning show. They they opened the show every morning with it. And after about two years, they stopped playing it. And the DJ was telling me this story. And I think, this isn't, is this going to be a good story? They're telling me how they stopped playing my song. But they had a phone call and a woman said, thank goodness you've stopped playing that song. I thought, <laughs> this is not a good story. You know, she said, no, on the way to work every morning, you play King King's Majesty. My car would flood with the glory of God. I'd have wow. to pull over, park at the side of the road, be in tears until the song stopped, then dry my eyes and carry on driving to work. Um, for the first time in two years, I'm getting to work on time. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, for me, the royal robes we don't deserve. Many people take it as robes of righteousness, and absolutely. But what I was thinking about at the time was also the church being robed in robes of glory that we don't deserve, a move of God's presence and glory in the earth that we simply can't earn. And I think that speaks into a lot of the prophetic words over the last hundred years about an end time revival and harvest. Yes. It has to be something that people like you and I don't deserve. We can't earn that. Yes. Um, it's gotta be a move of grace that we cooperate with. And so that's what the song's really about. And again, the, the stories, it's funny with art, isn't it? I think sometimes in art, the experience you are having while you write can be translated to the people that then see or hear or use the piece of art you've created. It's almost like a well that opens up that you can drink wow. from. And so many people tell the same story I had while I was writing it, this experience of glory. They've had that down to entire congregations just singing it. Wow. So it's something about art that can almost be like the apron that Paul prayed over. And then when others touched it, they got healed. I think a song can carry the same anointing mm. as the writer or the way God was interacting with the writer at the time. And King King seemed, 
seems to just do that. And I wish I could put it in every song, but I can't. Um, <laughs> but there's something on the song, and it was wow. purely being written in the presence of God. But if you looked at the structure of the song and simply what it's actually saying, there's nothing complex about it. It's just a little yeah. bit twee. And yet, there's something of God on it. That's amazing. When you wrote it and it was done, like you did 10 minutes and then it was finished, did you go, this is really special? Or did you just think, oh, that's just another song? Like what? How did you feel when it was done? I felt just like my other songs. To write, wow. it felt, you know, there are other songs of mine that are much less well-known, not known at all, in fact. I've got a friend who once, who once said to me, what's it like being a one-hit wonder? And I just <laughs> said that it's better than being a no-hit wonder, you know. <laughs> I've got loads of songs that I prefer. They're, they're, they're clever, wow. they're more interesting musically. To me, it's a very simple corporate worship song. And particularly in the United Kingdom, um, where it did for about the first 30 years, sit in the top 10 songs. It's a little bit out of that now. Yes. But to be so well sung. Beautiful. Um, and, you know, it's still played regularly on the BBC over here in our songs yes. of praise programs and things like yeah. that. I think it was picked up as like a, a little modern hymn by the Anglican yes. Church too. Yeah. And so it's, it's loved across the board, but especially in the UK, you know. Yeah. Oh, look, I think that that's, it, that's a powerful story for people that are writing, that have a passion to write worship now that they, because I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of, I've just got to write that hit song that all the churches are going to sing. You know, I mean, that's sad, but it honestly, there's a little bit of that culture in the, yeah. the worship industry, unfortunately. And so it's inspiring to hear your story where you were just really writing out of the overflow of your heart. You weren't thinking about any of that stuff. And then the Lord just puts his finger on it. And really, our job is just to be the conduit, isn't it? It's just to be the one that goes, Lord, I'm just going to sing worship to you. I'm going to do what I do. You've called me to be a psalmist, release it. And then his finger on on whatever is his yeah. job. And I yeah. think we become better writers when we we change that perception of what a song is supposed to do, you know? And um, I think sometimes we lose, especially in worship ministry, if you're busy in worship ministry, so you find yourself on the stage a lot or whatever the equivalent of the stage is for your setup. We minister to the people and we, we play our songs and we, you know, we do our thing. You know, the Bible really frequently talks about the concept of ministering to the Lord, just singing this song to God. And so I think, it, you know, you have to be a worshipper in private before you're ever a worshipper in public. Yeah, And absolutely. so I think just write a song for God that you think he might enjoy. Don't yeah. think about anyone else singing it and just see what happens. Mo yeah. Most of my, I've written hundreds of songs. Most of them will never see the light of day in yeah. public. And they're just songs that come out of my experience with God. I think the only piece of advice I could give is I found the more powerfully my heart gets into the presence of God, yes. the more powerfully my art will resound with the presence of God. Wow. So it really is about intimacy. If you mm. get as intimate as you can, so all ego and pretense has to go and you really start to minister to God and live out a relationship, well, where the heart is, the art will follow. Wow, that's great. Where the art, where the heart is, the art will follow. That's, that's great. I'm going to remember that. That's very awesome. I love um, Ray Hughes, actually. I saw a post that he posted the other day, and it was, today, write a song that only God will ever hear. 
Oh, I love that. Yes. And I'm like, wow. And I think it was, I can't remember what the author's name was, the author that wrote um, that beautiful 1930s song, I think it was, Moon River, you know, Moon mm-hmm. River yeah. Wider. He said that. He said, write for the waste paper basket. And what he meant was don't write because you think it's going to be a hit. Just write, write, write. And and don't think about that other stuff. It's almost like, you know, when you write a book, you do the writing portion first and then you go back and do the editing. I think we try to do everything all at once when it comes to writing, but actually the overflow of the heart is firstly the most important thing, isn't it? And just don't think about what else comes next. Just do do it sequentially. Just enjoy God's presence and just write. Yeah, you can't enjoy art or even worship using the critical side of your brain, can you? That that no. comes in later. Put 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 that into the editing phase. You've got to go with the flowing, creative, intuitive side of your brain. And yes, flow. yes. And yeah. for every fifty bits of you know a bit of a chorus, a bit of a verse, fifty ideas I have, one might become a song that's ever sung by other people. Yeah, you've got to write the fifty. Yes. You can't think, I'm going to write one, and the first one I'm going to write is going to be awesome. No, yeah. write hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little pieces of yeah. creativity. That's and great. And then one will make it to the surface and, and, and be of use. Um, but it, it's the process we need to enjoy, isn't it? Yeah. You can't guarantee the outcome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> <be> good. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I love the mix that, you know, you're a worship leader, you're a songwriter. But you're also a pastor. You're, you're not just pastoring a church, you're pastoring a movement, really, of churches around the UK, which is very unique. And I'm just wondering if you have any insight as a pastor for worship leaders and songwriters serving in their local church, because you get them. Yeah, because I've sat both sides. I've literally yes. served as a full-time worship leader for another pastor who was a great guy over here. I would say really understand the uniqueness of the church that you're in and what part of the journey that you're on. Because every, every church, we think that all worship is the same, I guess. Many of us, we live in our own stream and we have our favorite church experiences. And so we end up thinking that worship is A or worship is B, when the reality is there are some worship movements out there that are incredibly uh, scripted and tight and the worship within the context of a service is used for a particular thing. And then you've got whole other cultures, and I'm sure in your podcast, you'll be interviewing people from all these different cultures that are extremely spontaneous, highly skilled, so they have the ability to sound very good, but actually they're very spontaneous. Yeah. Um, And their worship is being used for something different. So I always say, get a great relationship with the leaders, plural, who are leading the church, and really find out what they're trying to do on a Sunday morning versus during a prayer service or a worship service, really understand the boundaries of your authority um, because there's nothing more frustrating to the senior leader of a church if you've got a worship leader chatting away when he hasn't really released you to do that on the platform. Understand the purpose. Some are going, you know what, in this season, I absolutely just need you to set up the preach because we're building some culture, we're fixing some things, we're taking this this family on a journey and it's really being done by the word. Yeah. Then you might find in the next season, he's going, you know what? I don't really mind if I don't get to preach. Let's just get up there, get these people into the presence of God. We might break in with healing, spontaneity, mm. an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Really, worship is the main thing. So I want you to fly if you can. Yeah. I always say when we have 
worship leaders coming to our place and they say, how long do you want me to go on for? And I'm like, well, that depends what happens. Yeah. <laughs> if this place is filled with glory, I as the preacher step aside. That's my wow. culture. Now, that's not every culture and it's neither right nor wrong, but it is my culture. Yeah. And so my worship leaders need to know that, that listen, if it's flying, we'll go for an hour, hour and a half. If it's not, I want you off there after 15 minutes and let's get into yes. the word and we might come back to worship. Yes. But all these things are chosen cultures that are based around my gift, the season of our church at any time, and the purpose of what we're trying to do as a church with, this, with the particular service you're leading in. So you need really good communication. Otherwise, you find frustration between the leadership and the yeah. worship team who may approach everything in the same way thinking, well, it's a set list. We do our songs. We've got some chosen songs and we blatter away through the songs and, you know, minister to God and worship God when actually it's more nuanced than that. Yeah. Um, and I would say the more skilled you get as a musician, the more options are open to you, like spontaneity. Spontaneity isn't good for lazy musicians. Spontaneity wow. is the place where outstanding musicians can go when they no longer need to look at the notes on the page. Fabulous. That's so good. So there are places the river of God wants to go where set list worship groups simply can't go. They don't have the skills. So you've actually got to go from, you know, uh, learn your basics. And that means you're probably going to lead quite a rigid worship time. And that's okay. Yes. Um, but then the better you get, the more you can be truly prophetic and spontaneous and listen to God in the moment. John 3 talks about the people of the spirit being like the wind. You can't tell where they're coming from, where they're going. I love that culture, yeah. but I also know not all musicians are capable yet of getting there. Yeah. So we have levels of bands and I, you know, there's some, I just go, just do your set list. But that to me, that's level A worship. Yes. Meeting. The higher level is, okay, do your set list, but we're going to spread our wings at some point, jump off a cliff and see where God goes. Yeah. If we find the updraft of the spirit, we could just have glory in this room, healings breaking out, the touch of heaven. And what you can't do is script that. You won't find it on a set list. Mm. You find it in heaven. And so when we go prophetic, and the word prophet literally means pro, to rise up before into the presence of God, fet, to mm. declare. Um, so when our worship is more than the set list, it's rising up into the presence of God and seeing what God's doing. If you have the skills to go there, that's when I've experienced the most awesome wow. worship times in my life. They've never come from set lists. They're always from the ability of, oh, God's doing something right. Is the band capable of following? Yes. So off we go. Yes. The amount of frustrating worship times I've had where <laughs> you can sense the spirit of God wants to go somewhere and you look around and you go, these guys can't do it. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I need a Formula One car and I'm in a mini Metro, you know. <laughs> okay. So we're just going to have to, you know, sometimes if the spirit of God is strong enough and, and, Sometimes the people are more on board than the band. It's the band that's stuck in the set list. And the wow. people are like, come on, you smell the spirit. Come on, let's go. <laughs> so sometimes I literally stand the band down. Wow. And go, let's, let's do this the, old te the, the New Testament way without a band. And let's just go into the glory together. And so mm -hmm. these are the things that your band need to understand. And some worship leaders that approach it thinking, well, we just get up and we, we blat through the, the songs we've been given. And that is what a worship time is. If they don't understand the, the culture of the leader, like a leader like me would be going, when God turns up, we all stand aside. If yes. It's that kind of movement. And then we're, mm -hmm. we're going with God because that's where the miracles are. Yes. Um, 
then there's other times where I, you know, like I say, either to do with the capability of the band or even just the occasion that I know God wants to work through his word on that occasion more yeah. than through the worship time. I'll just say, just give me four songs and I'm getting on. And yes. so that's all communication. And you need a band that can go, yep, I get that. I think as well for worship teams, understand that the responsibility of the worship culture of your church rests with the senior leader, not with you as a worship team. It's good. Otherwise, you're always trying to usurp the authority and you go, yeah. yeah, but this is our 25 minute slot and we get to do what we want. No, it's not that. In the Bible, it was people like Moses and David and Solomon that were responsible for the worship and they mm. appointed what should go on. And so you've got to look to the senior leader and go, what, what season are we in? Is this That's a great. teaching season? Is this a spontaneous season? Uh, when I used to work for my uh, senior leader back in the early 90s, he would often sit us down and go, right, this is where we're going in this season. X, Y, Z is happening in the body. So all I want, I remember this specifically once, we were having a rough, difficult time. Yeah. And you could have gotten very morose in worship. You know, you could have sung Psalm 13 all day. How long, Lord? You know? yeah. <laughs> so he sat us all down and he said, all I want is exultant worship that focuses wow. on nothing but God. Wow. That's all I want from you guys for this season. Do that for the next three months and we will get through as a body. And you know wow. what? He was right. So we've wow. got to be able to take instruction, feel what's happening and realize the responsibility for the whole time of the service together is down to the Moses, David, Solomon figures, and we're there to serve them. Um, the other thing I, I would say for, for worship teams coming in, and this is quite a common thing, especially in, I, I would guess in younger worship leaders, is that sometimes you're, you're serving in worship for a season, but really you're an evangelist. Mm. Or, or really you're called to another part of the creative music sphere other than worship. So. Again, that can cause frustration because really you should be on a street corner or doing concerts and sharing the gospel that way. And you've been packaged into a worship leader position for a moment, for a yes. season, because you have the capability. So I'd say it comes down to the basics that all of us should have. Just serve, serve in the season you're at, in the way that you're needed and mm -hmm. learn, but don't feel trapped forever. The more you serve well in this season, the more promotion is heading your way in the next wow. season. But if you fail this test, the doors won't be open because God always uses others to open doors. So everyone that's worked with me and has done well and shown faithfulness, I'm a door opener. You know, yes. I'll, I'll open the ability to travel the world and do exciting stuff. But you have to, it's quite biblical, you have to pass the test and show, oh, okay, yeah, this person will be good for that because I need yes. to be unembarrassed with my key friends around the world, when I say, have this person, they've got an awesome yes. ministry, they'll serve you, they'll be faithful, um, but they're gifted yeah. and capable. Uh, and so, you know, serve in the season yeah. you're in it's and great. expect God to then open the doors to the future, even though what you're in today might not quite look like what you want to do in the end. Yeah. Keep serving, keep serving. I, keep I'm, serving. I'm just, I want to circle back to something you just said that really has just sparked something in me. It's actually teaching me something, and that is when you just said, um, you know, know the season that you're in. Yeah. Because I think it's really, I'm, like you're talking about young worship teams. Well, as someone who's a seasoned worship leader, myself, you included, it would be very easy to get stuck in this is how worship should be. But even now we've got to go, what's the season we're in, and not be frustrated. So if you don't have like, 
you know, like for me, I love the spontaneous. If it's all spontaneous, that's heaven to me, right? But I also, I'm also like, well, that's maybe what's the season saying? Like being sensitive to the season is so important. And if we don't do that, we get stuck. We get stuck in a moment almost, you know. We're not doing that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. We're just doing Jesus is the same yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like this circle. So I just love that you said that. And, of course, relationship is important. Yes, yes, yes. But I wonder in developing that, do you have a certain protocol? Do you have, you know, some churches have review services the next day. I mean, I used to hate those. They never were, like in our certain culture when we were doing it, they never really worked, you know, but relationship really worked. But I wondered what you do. Do you ever do anything like that or how do you offer feedback to teams? Or what do you think is healthy? So the place I'm in right now is that I'm I'm not personally leading a, a local congregation now. So we've yes. got the next level of leaders leading them. So I, I tend to be chatting to the campus leaders and the church leaders yeah. about how things have gone. And they're feeding back into their own worship cultures. For us, it's quite informal. <clears throat> I know the trend these days is to have everything really quite locked down and very well organized. Yeah. I'm more of a creative flow type person. Me and too. So I, over, over 32 years of ministry, I've dabbled with running things really tight and I yeah. found it doesn't do me well. Um, I end, If I'm trying to be the kind of leader that's very organizationally tight, I end up grumpy and, you know, overusing the kind of authority that God's given me. So I've chosen to be a little bit more childlike in my approach. In fact, God's told me to, so I've got no other way. So I like to keep it family, relaxed, informal, messy, a little bit slightly on purpose. I love the spontaneity. I'm much more inclined these days to be happy with kind of babies and youngsters coming through and for it to be a bit messy and not everything to be perfect. It's just the season that we're in, especially post-COVID. It's like we're bringing through a whole new generation. Yes. I want them at the moment just to thrive on almost 100% encouragement and very little dissecting of what they're doing. I'm just happy some of them are getting up and leading and overcoming Mm. nerves. And that's the big thing, you know. I was talking to, to a guy recently and he was talking about, you know, wanting to get into worship. And sometimes you think you're going to leap, as it were, from being in the congregation to man, suddenly I'm a worship leader in the middle of a move of God and you're going to do it in about three weeks. And I think he was quite comforted by the fact that I said, look, you just need to spend a year overcoming nerves. Just get well, a that's great. week. And just because you can't do anything until you become confident. Yes. In a nice, relaxed way, not a forced way. We are trying yes. to force bravery, but rather you are at home on the platform, not intimidated by the microphone or the looks of the people. You don't need their praise and you, their criticism kind of bounces off you until you've led a few songs in the wrong key and realized halfway through that you're screeching, you know, yeah. <laughs> and had to tell everybody, oh, sorry, everyone, let's stop, let's start again. Until you have yeah. some of those moments and you've not died and refused to get on the platform again. So you come out, you've got to overcome all those internals. Then you start yeah. to become someone who can stand up there in front of hundreds of people uh, with a microphone with a certain musical capability and go, okay, God, so what should we do now? It's great. And, and you're not glued to the set list. Set list important, do plan, mm. but you're not glued to it. You've got the capacity to stand in front of a group of hundreds of people just looking at you 
and be still enough internally to hear the voice of God tell yeah. you what to do next. Now that takes at least a year to get to for most yes. people, if not longer. But, but what I love though, Jared, is that you are willing to give that time. There's not a lot of leaders that would do that. There'd be leaders that would be frustrated pretty quick, but you're like, no, we've got the time. Yeah, I'm in a lot less of a rush than I used to be. I mean, I yeah. bought in high-quality worship leaders, you know, uh, thinking that, and I think almost for me there was an era change coming up to this kind of COVID period, and maybe we'll yes. talk about, a little bit about that later. But I do feel like we're in a different era when, for me at least, and I'm, there's no right or wrong, this is seasonal yeah. for me and others need to hear God for themselves, but the attractional platform church is becoming of less value to me yes. in what we're building. I'm much more interested in multiple smaller families on different kinds of journeys. So we're becoming less building centric, less platform centric, and much more. We just want to move God. For instance, take my own season. We were talking about seasons right now when I lead worship, because I've started leading again the last few years wow. more and more as well. But you know what? When I come back to it, I can't lead four songs on a Sunday morning very well. I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating. Just give me three hours and yes. just a few people. I'm let's a have like a long-form, spontaneous encounter with God yeah. and just linger in his presence. And I'm like, that's the kind of worship I'm supposed yeah. to be leading right now. It's more house of prayer stuff than Sunday morning stuff. Yes, And I get that's a lot to do with what I'm going through and where God's leading us. But uh, someone out there might resonate with it and go, I know what you mean. I don't want to blat through four or five yeah. songs and sound a bit like, you know, Bethel Elevation Hill song, no matter how wonderful they are. You got to know what's inside you. And then so try, good. And, try and find where to put that. So my wife and I are doing more long form worship online and in person. We want to take over some kind of historic cathedrals and minsters and churches in the UK yeah. and just do long form worship. How's about a worship time for just six hours? So it's not hitting through songs. It's just, yes. you can come and go as you please, but we're just going to worship God and minister to him. In fact, we might not even face the crowd. We might turn around and face the altar and just minister to him for six hours. Mm. What if worship she became that? What would that do? You know? Oh, yeah, so. you're talking my language. I, I love that. <laughs> you I, come over and join us. You've been with the with us before, right? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I'm resonating with what you're saying. And, and also I feel like for our listeners, understanding, just like you said, what season are you in? It's not either or. It's what are you called to in the season? And you're yeah. going to know by how it makes you feel when you're doing it. Like you said, the four songs were driving you, you know, bonkers. And I go, yeah, I, I can understand that because I'll be in a service like that where there's four songs where I'm just, a, you know, in the congregation and I'll absolutely love it. Like I'll feel the presence of God. I enjoy every moment of it. But I also, you know, if I'm leading that spontaneous, I know I'm in that season as well. I just love going off the map, you know. So I, I totally get it. But I also get people on the other end going, well, I could never do that. That's just not where I want to go. And I'm like, it's actually not that one's better or worse. Yeah. We're building a place for the Lord to dwell, you know. And so yeah. however we do that, it's the heart posture really that matters. And it's the way the it's wherever the Lord's leading us, isn't it? Yeah, I think the only proviso I would put to that is I think when 
people that don't cope with spontaneity well say I could never do that. There's only one challenge I would want to make to it. And it's usually, well, just make sure fear isn't making that decision mm, for you. It's good. And, and uh, what I love to do, this happened to me. So the guy that taught me to preach, um, I went on a 10-week tour of South Africa with him in the early 90s. Uh, we, we met royalty. We were chased by men with guns in Zimbabwe. I mean, we had a wild time. But yeah. I went as the <laughs> worship leader, but he spotted in me, but you're a preacher too. Wow. So before he got up to preach, he would say, right, Jared's going to preach tonight. And even if I turned up with notes, he would rip them up in front of the congregation and <laughs> said, now talk. And he forced me to not fear spontaneity, that actually yeah. if God has written on the tablets of your heart, and if you can be still enough to hear his voice, even in the context of hundreds of people being around you, you can minister prophetically, which does have, doesn't always doesn't have to have, but it does have a side to it that is often spontaneous and in the moment. Mm. Things that won't come off the, the prepared list or the so point, you know. So that's the only thing I would say. Prophetically wired people find spontaneity easier and more exciting than yes. let's say the teacher personalities who want to be thorough and have things written down. And that is not right or wrong. That is right and right. That is just yeah, your personality. But also don't let fear stop you because the most powerful things I have ever known uh, have not been scripted. And mm. if you read the stories of Jesus, nearly every miracle comes because of an interruption. It wasn't planned. Mm, it's he got interrupted and he was able to flow without a script mm. just by doing what he saw his father doing in that moment. And Beautiful. so teachers would say, but God can show you three days before. And I'm like, yes, he can. But why should he have to when mm. he's right there with you? Well, Just when you're abiding in him, I yeah. mean, that, I'm, that word for me is a big word in this season, abiding. Yeah. And it's like yeah. you're not just sitting next to Jesus, you're abiding, you're you're embodying heaven, yeah. you know. And I, yeah. I just think when it's like that, you're not sort of trying to catch something. It's yeah. in you. Yeah. That's so powerful. I want to be that kind of person. I'm always saying, Lord, how can I be that kind of person, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, that's powerful. I'd love to hear, have you got any stories you can share? I always think it's great to hear the stories of, what the Lord's done in a service when worship's been happening. Have you got any like Holy Spirit stories where you can say? Uh, if I go back to this thought of with King of King's Majesty that yeah. where your heart is in the moment of writing it can sometimes be translated into the piece of art, be it be it a picture or a, or a song. So because I, I was brought up in the Mediterranean, so I can speak Spanish, yeah. So I was I was invited by a friend who was going to speak to a, a group of six thousand leaders in Mexico, and the, these guys were in a revival culture. And he, he'd heard that I could sing King of Kings in Spanish, so he said, "You, you want to come with me and kind of you know carry my bags, be my sidekick, and let's see if we can get you to sing the song." So we turned up in Mexico, this amazing place. Uh, like I say, about six thousand leaders there, and, and he got up the first session he was supposed to speak, and he said, "Before I speak." I've got a, you know, a young guy here. I like that young guy here from England. He can, he can, he can sing a bit. Can he come and sing a song before I speak? So I got up and I began to sing King Kings in Spanish. Well, the place just fell to the ground. Wow. And for about three hours, it was just overwhelmed with the glory of God. My friend wow. didn't get to speak. It was just waves and waves and waves of the glory of God hitting these leaders. Then it came to the next session and the next preacher who someone I didn't know a Mexican guy got up to speak and he said, you know, I just really feel before 
I speak. Could that young English guy just come and sing that song one more time? So I got up and and again, kind of two hours wow. later, we were all just still on the floor. Nobody got to speak. And it happened day after day for several days, just the glory of God rolling over these leaders. Um, you know, when you put art in the in the place of an open heaven like that in revival, it was just a spark. And I, I even meet, we have some of our guys do regular missions into Mexico, and they regularly meet people who say, ah, oh, you know, I, I remember this song, Rey de Reyes Majestad, which is, you know, King, King's Majesty in Spanish. Um, God called me in a little, uh, well, a large conference in Puebla in Mexico wow. when the glory of God just came. And again, wow. it was like the glory in the moment of writing, just the same open heaven happens uh, uh, there in that conference. I often think about Jesus when he talked to the woman at the well in John 4. And he said, the water I give you will become in you a well. When Jesus gives you a drink, it becomes a permanent source of sustenance, a well mm. that you can then go to anytime. And, Amazing. you know, even an old well, even an old hymn, you can get fresh water from. Yes. Even an old song. It might be an old song. King Kings is, I don't know, 30 years old. Um, but you can drink today's water from that old well. And I think art is like that. When we interact with Jesus, wells are built in us. Um, yeah. And I even somehow think within songs and pieces of art, a well can be built that you can drink water from today. Beautiful. And I still still get stories today from it. So yeah, that those are the moments I love because yeah. for me, even as a child, I was ruined for the presence of God. So mm. I don't love music more than the presence yeah, I, I just love the presence and glory of God. And I always say, you know, if God's presence came because of juggling, I'd have been a juggler. Yeah. But God's presence hangs around music and worship. That's mm. why I do music and worship, because I want to be close to God. I want to mm, be a doorkeeper beautiful. in the house than anything else. So I think it is a big challenge for people that come into church and they've, they've perhaps even before being saved, they're in love with music and the concept. And so they just translate that to the church stage. And that never quite works. That never quite works unless something really burns your heart and purifies yeah. it, yeah. so that you fall out of love with music, totally in love with God, and now your music just serves your relationship with Beautiful. God, rather than still having that little bit of ego that's driving inside. Yeah, um, that's always a tough one for people that are coming out of a gigging industry. Yeah, onto the stage. Some get it, some don't. Amazing. Amazing. I love that whole analogy <laughs> about the well. It's powerful. Uh, let's end on this question. This has been such a great conversation. One of my favorite books of yours is 500, Are We at the Dawn of a New Glory? When that book came out and I read it, I was so blown away because you had this amazing revelation from the Lord around the fact that every 500 years there's a great adjustment and development of God's work on earth that that yep. takes place. And when you unpack it, it's incredible. And um, in the book, you talk about us currently being at another dawn. Are we still in that dawn? I think we are. And I'm wondering, have you got any thoughts on what that means for worship? That's a big question. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> is. In 2017, which was the 500th anniversary of the beginning of the Reformation, Martin Luther. Yeah. I had a two-month sabbatical and God just spoke to me and kind of downloaded that thought 
Um, I have discovered since that some historical writers would say a more accurate description will be 490 years, which I don't wow. think is far off, but it is, yeah. you know, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, the exile, Jesus, the beginning of the dark ages, the great schism, uh, and then the, the beginning of the Reformation 500 years ago. They're all pivot points in history. And if you yes. go back to the names I just mentioned, they're all the major markers of God adjusting his work on the earth. Yeah. And we are alive at one of those major market moments. So it's wow. pivotal time. Uh, yeah, I think, I think for us who are alive now, we are alive in the birthing moment. I don't believe it's, I haven't written the book to say that there's a, a, mo a moment at midnight <clears throat> when everything yes. changes, but rather there are people that are alive at pivot points in history. And so our lives are alive. At, we're alive at pivot point in history. I mean, the Welsh revival saw 100,000 people saved. I've stood on the platform with Reinhard Bonker in the year 2000 when he led over a million people to the Lord in one service. Wow. It was about 11 Welsh revivals in five hours, as wow. far as numbers are concerned. It, three and a half million, I think it was over five days. We're alive at an age of acceleration. There are more people being raised from the dead now than ever in history. We are alive at an incredible okay. pivot point. And I, I believe what God has been preparing us for is a move of glory. You know, um, Acts, uh, what is it, 15, talks about the rebuilding and the reformation of the tabernacle of David, which in short is music-based worship. Yes. And it being a, a thing that would cause the Gentiles to seek God again. So, so I do think these end times of glory and the reformation of worship music are one and the same thing. It's no mm. surprise to me that the last... 40 or 50 years, we've had an incredible change and adjustment in worship music and yes. its prevalence and its quality around the world. And so I believe we're at the beginning of an era of glory when signs, wonders, and miracles are going to be more commonplace than ever. Mm, they already it. are statistically, but many of us need to download that into our local experience because we can all get a bit dull, can't we? Yes. So for me, I would say the, the, the next step that I think we need to work on as worship ministries is we have improved our production values and our quality and our excellence. And there are some remarkable men and women of God around the world that are helping us to view worship ministry better and better. I think we've been alluding to something all the way through this interview, which I think kind of would be quite powerful as well at this moment, is to remember that all this is about creating a throne for God himself to sit on, yes. Psalm 22. It's about the glory of God arriving. The, the end of God's dream, where is he going? He's heading to the direction where the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Yeah. That's visible, manifest God on the earth. Miracles, signs, wonders, angelic visitation, mm -hmm. encounters, God. people spontaneously saved, dreams, visions, all those things. Oh, yeah. That's where we're heading. So now worship ministry has to facilitate that. So it yeah. can't just be about the music and the set list and our songs. That is all that music ministry is. It's all of those things and they're all good, but that's like kindergarten level still. The next level is that 2 Chronicles 5, as this reformed temple is offered to God on the earth, well, if God's pleased, he will fill a temple or a tabernacle with glory through the Bible. Mm. We have to prepare our worship ministries so they're capable of hosting glory. Mm. Uh, I want my next book to be called Hosting Heaven because wow. I think that is our next job. 
how do we host glory? Not just good music to host people and give them a God encounter, but what about creating worship ministries and churches that host God himself on the earth and are designed to make him comfortable? Can I put it that way? Designed for his pleasure. Wow. And lots of little things like 2 Chronicles 5, when the glory turns up, the ministers don't get to do their service. Yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've got to have um, excellence, yes, but I call it overwhelmable excellence. When God comes, we can go, whoa, 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 I don't need to sing my favorite song that I planned to and I've practiced all week now. Mm. God is here and this is yeah. all about him. We need to create, and this goes from the pastor right the way through the church. We need to create churches that know how to host heaven again. Yes. Um, uh, but but also to do it well. Lots of revivals in the past have been so emotionally strenuous and um, taxing on diaries that you have revival, but then families fall apart and you yes. know revival leaders end up with nervous breakdowns and divorced and depressed and all these things. So I call it a sane revival. That's what I'm mm. looking for. A church <laughs> that can host God, but we still got healthy families. We're not silly and think that revival has to be a meeting every night for the next yes. seven years, you know, yeah. and we destroy families in the wake. It's how do we host heaven so that God is at home, not just in an event? Yeah. And we really learn to carry God in our services and in our lives beautifully. And I think that's, that's something that we need to learn so that it's not just a three-year visitation. Lots of churches yeah. have had those. It, it's it's a... It's a, a, a God inhabiting us. Yeah, God yeah. being with us. But I, I think love that's that. the next big test, you know. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I um I might end with this story because we're in the middle of a revival in our church right now at the wow. recording of this podcast and it's been absolutely, oh, it's just we're seven weeks in and we're all wow. completely transformed. But we're just, you know, dealing with all of this ourselves. We're like, how do we navigate this with our families? How do we do church? How do we have all these meetings and still be sane? And um, the Lord said to me, I had a vision one day in, in my personal time of prayer, and I saw us running after a kite, like it's blowing with the wind. And I'm like, oh, I've got to catch this kite. I can't lose the kite. And it's like got the little tail and I'm running everywhere trying to catch it. And then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Roma, revival is not a kite, it's a lasagna. <laughs> and I just went, what? <laughs> and I went, huh? And he said, it's not something that you catch. It's not something that you might let go of and you can't find it again. It's got many layers. It's sitting at the table. It's yeah. family. And every yeah. time you take that bite, you get a different taste because that's what lasagna is like. You know, you've got all the different layers and sometimes you get more cheese. Sometimes you get more meat. Sometimes you get more of whatever. And he just said, that's what I want this revival to be like. It's not a kite that you're running after. It's a, a meal you eat that has many layers. And I was completely set free when I heard that. Wow. But I was like, yeah. this is habitation right here. This is not just visitation. So I love, I'm resonating with what you're sharing because of the season that I'm in myself. But um, yeah. Jared, I just want to thank you so much for being with us today. This has been so incredible. I know people are going to be so blessed by what you've shared. Before we end, how can people connect with you? Share a bit about Tribe and, and how people can connect with what you're doing. 
Yeah. I mean, everything can be found at jaredcooper.net. So there's all kinds of stuff there. And yes, we have about six months before lockdown, I had a dream in which I was ministering to people online in their homes, which yeah. didn't excite me that much, but we created this little studio and we've developed our kind of musicality side as well. And so we have an online worship and learning community. And we've gone from, you know, a couple of dozen students in a classroom before lockdown to now there's hundreds of people around the world in our Amazing. learning community, which is subscription-based. It's got different levels to it. But we're just launching a free-to-join worship community too. We want to help people encounter God in their home Wonderful. wherever they are. You know what I'm finding, Roma? And people like me are supposed to kind of complain about the unhealthiness of this. But instead of that, I'm going to take a slightly different approach and just say, I want to try and be a solution to it. And it's that I'm finding that there's many people that are deeply spiritual, love God dearly, but they've really fallen out of love with Sunday morning church. Yes. Yeah, and they're totally. really struggling for that to fit. And some of them, it's because they're rebels and they're backslidden. But I, I think for others... It's maybe that they're smelling that something different needs to happen in church too. Mm. So we're just finding so many people engage with us around the world. And yeah, we're just doing regular long form live streams for worship and prophecy Beautiful. and healing. And so yeah, jaredcooper.net, you can find all the stuff about the tribe and books and all that kind of stuff there. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today and cannot wait till our next conversation, Jared. It's a pleasure. I've loved it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church, and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.